Hi, it's Daniel, and I'm here with Kate today. Hello. We're chatting amongst friends. This is good chat. Good chat. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about movies that we love that may not have necessarily done well at all. And these are movies that we do not feel are guilty pleasures because we're not embarrassed by that. Yeah, I mean, I am a little bit, but I'll get over it. So we have previously discussed what our bad movies that we love are. We've gone, watched both of them, we've taken notes, and we're going to be discussing them. Some of us have taken more comprehensive notes than others, but that's okay. Someone has written pages of notes, and that was me. And someone has written two (laughs) dot points, which was me. So get prepared. Strap in. So we'll start with you. Okay, so my movie, it's a very obvious choice for a bad movie, I feel like. Do you agree? I would agree. So my movie is Glitter. (laughs) Oh, that little giggle. (laughs) It is the Mariah Carey movie. I'm going to start just by saying, I remember when this movie came to Foxtel cable TV, this explains everything. The ad um, was basically saying, you've avoided it at the cinema, you dodged it at the video store, and now you can watch it in the privacy of your own home and no one will ever know. (laughs) Glitter. We won't tell if you don't. Ooh, salacious. It's a secret. No, right? Did you know about the movie before that trailer? Had you already seen it before that ad? I'd seen it at the movies. Did that marketing campaign, you go, hmm. Smart. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought it was quite funny and I thought I completely get it. Yeah. I loved it. Okay. Well, basically the storyline of Glitter, yeah. if you haven't seen it, she's a young girl with her mother. She goes through troubles and ends up being put into an orphanage. Yeah. So her mum's a singer, falls on rough times, and so she's she taken away. She seem that rough. It kind of just seemed like she didn't want her. It was like, oh, Billy, they had to I take, don't have room for you. <laughs> I don't have room for you in my life anymore. Well, obviously there is that scene where she falls asleep with a lit cigarette. There's a fire. So Billy, Frank, the daughter, yep. a young Mariah Carey. <laughs> that girl, the young actress, yeah. very strong. So basically then she goes to the foster care orphanage. She meets two friends. Yeah. Um, very sassy. She takes loving. her cat Whisper with her. Oh, I missed that. Is it the same cat at the end of the movie that's on the bed with her and Dice? Um, I've jumped ahead here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't notice it. I didn't notice the cat. And then one thing that I will say from this transition from junior Billy (laughs) to adult Billy is in a transition you hear modern day Mariah singing before you meet modern day Mariah. And I was like, oh, I thought that would be such a good moment to show Mariah Carey singing as Mariah Carey. It would be like a wow impact. But they used it as background music for a ballad. And then they went back to young Billy. And I was like, what? When did they use the... So it's when she's at the orphanage, there's a transition, um, one of many transitions around New York City, and it's this song, this sad song, and then it cuts back to a montage of Billy growing up, and she's like putting makeup on her face with her friends, and ha ha ha. But then it's a ballad, because then the next thing, they're grown up in the club. Yeah. So then they grow up and then she becomes a singer. Well, basically, yeah, it's just the usual story. It's been done so many times. Little girl grows up. She realises her dream. I guess it's, as Lady Gaga puts it, (laughs) there can be 100 people in a room and 99 don't believe in you. So I guess it was someone believing in her who was Dice the DJ for her to realise her dream and become a singer, live her dream, navigate her dream and everything that comes with that. The goal is that he's going to get her to perform at Madison Madison Square Square Garden. Garden. That's the dream. Yeah, and she's just like, And then we are 
on the ride to get to that dream. Yeah. What do you love about this movie? What is it that you go back to it? How many times have you seen it? I saw it at the movies when it first came out and since then I have seen it countless number of times. Are you in it for the music? Look, the album to me, yes, it's a soundtrack to the movie, but it's very much a standalone album. I think that... Do you listen to... Sorry, do you listen to the album more than you watch the movie? Yes. Okay. I definitely do, if not the whole album, some songs from there Mm -hmm. more often than I do go back to watch a movie. So I think that's kind of what's keeping me going back Mm because watching the movie itself, I don't think it was executed in the best way because (laughs) (laughs) that's an understatement. There are a lot of bits that I feel like either this shouldn't be here or um, I get quite bored and I just, I I don't know, I need it to move on. But um, I think it is the music that keeps me coming back. And that ending. That ending. Where she reunites with her mother at the very end. Yeah. You drove to Maryland? Yeah. In that dress? (laughs) Well, she's just, (laughs) she's she's about to go on stage, Madison Square Garden, finally. Spoilers. Spoilers. She makes it. Yeah, (laughs) she does. Like right before the show, she finds out that her love interest, Dice, who (gasps) she realizes that she loves and they've had some kind of a fallout before that. He ends up getting shot because of a dodgy deal that was made for Dice to get Billy. How he didn't get shot earlier in the male film? I don't know. Like, he gave him so many opportunities. Yeah. And I'm just like, now you're killing him? Well, now? Because for the movie, for that dramatic effect, he waited right until she was about to go on stage in Madison Square Garden. Makes yes. perfect that sense. That was Terrence. Ter- <laughs> Terrence Howard. Howard. He's a, he is the draw card for that movie. He's the best say, actor. And he's the only recognizable actor from that film. Okay. Padme Lakshmi is in it playing um, <gasps> Oh, my goodness. I actually have a note that just says Padme Lakshmi. Top chef. <laughs> but like a million exclamation marks. So when she comes in as Silk with that like bodysuit with the feathers, yeah. oh, I, love, I live. I love the um, bad singing that she does in the studio. I, and, I love it. I, why was he so adamant of getting her famous? Like that was never explained. Why was she paying him? Like she, cause she's a bad singer. Yeah. And basically Billy, who is Mariah Carey is brought in as her backing track and they're like, Whoa, bring her vocals up. Yeah. We're going to Milly Vanilli this shit. And Silk is going to sing with Billy's vocals. But at that point, wouldn't you have been Terrence Howard just go, Oh, I'll just make her famous because that's going to make my life easier and it's going to get me more money. It is a a very flawed movie. So basically, yeah, in the end, she finds out her lover has just died. She goes on stage. Her lover boy, single from the film. And that's the the opening song, Lover Boy, which she stops the band. There's that scene and she goes into her little speech, you know. That speech. Never take anyone for granted because you never know when you might lose them and you'll never have a chance to tell them how you really feel. Mm -hmm. And then she goes into the ballad, Never Too Far. Um, That is an epic ballad. It is. The way that it all wraps it up in the end and so then there's a letter from Dice who is now dead which is such a plot point that does not make sense that he wrote her this letter because he was going to see her to say I still love you but then she gets this letter which basically says every all his final moments but he never would have written that letter but it's like he knew Oh, he, he knew he die. was going to die? He read the script. He read ahead <laughs> and he knew that his character was going to die. And then. now I'm just shitting on this film. No, but he's located her mother. So now they know where she lives because she's been trying to find her mother well, for years. Well, that's the thing. He needed to give her the information. Yeah. She's in the car after the show. Now she's going to have the driver take her to her mum. Yeah, and obviously Maryland. she's wearing her dress from her concert. <laughs> because She, she drove from New York to Maryland, which is like across states. Yeah. And you wouldn't have maybe after the show, I don't know, changed before you got into the car? No? no. Okay, not not if you're Mariah Carey. She was grieving. 
And then she, at the very end, finally reunites with her mom. And this gets me every time, that scene at the very end where Mm -hmm. she walks out and they hug. I always cry at that scene. Mm -hmm. I can't not. I didn't have many feelings. Yeah. Like the song was beautiful. And then they walk up and then they just hug. And I'm like, are you, you've been crying through this movie saying, oh, I don't trust people. I don't want to abandon people. And there was no animosity towards the mother. And then he said, your mother's been clean for a few months. Yeah. Like she didn't try to find her. Wouldn't you be like, hey, I got a bone to pick with? Well, look. Well, I guess she's lost her partner. If she's been clean for a few months, then maybe she was taking those few months to get her life back on track, to sort herself out. I don't know. Did she know that her daughter was famous? Would she have seen her around on TV, on the um, radio? She was playing Madison Square Garden and her song went to number one. It's, it's a movie that I will keep going back to. Okay, so I watched this film. I'd seen it before a few times and I probably won't go back to watching it again unless I want to hear the music from it. However, because it's not on Spotify, it's not easy to find. That's probably why. So she wants you to go and watch the movie. (laughs) Well, I get the feeling she's kind of started to slowly re-embrace Glitter. Yeah. Because she sings it at her concerts now. But I feel like what was presented to Mariah, she is a very smart woman. She has always been very smart in her choices. Like when she introduced rappers to be able to produce her music, that was one of the first singers to do that. Yeah. She was able to write herself that with one other person, one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time. Yeah. I think she knew she was on the cusp of that singer to movie star trend which went to JLo, which we can discuss. Yes. Uh, but I think the movie that the Glitter was and what it became are two totally different things. So one thing I noticed is that after every transition, after every scene, there was like a transition where they just filmed New York City, but not anything specific to the scene. They would just film like uptown. They would film the park. They would film buildings. I knew it was in New York City. So I just felt like they were padding out the scene to get it to the specific runtime. And they also did this thing where they would introduce a 30-second scene that went nowhere. There was a scene where she and Dice had just gotten signed or something happened in a club and she was doing really well. And you could kind of feel like the scene was, they were standing there, waited for the scene to say action. They moved, they hugged, and then they walked and paused when they hit cut. Like it felt, it didn't have an organic feel of a movie. It didn't feel like they were living in this world. And other scenes where she would meet people and Billy, I was going to call it glitter, and um, (laughs) Billy is being introduced to people and she says nothing. I don't know if they were trying to capture that she's so overwhelmed, but I'm just like, why is the centre of this movie and she's in this scene bewildered saying nothing? And then the scene ended. And I was like, why are you doing it? Did you film way more and you cut it? Did you not know what you had and then you've pieced it together and just tried to like hodgepodge it all? Like there were just problems. Do you feel like those kinds of things kind of took you out of the movie and it wasn't so believable? Yes. Yeah, definitely. But I did like every time that something good happened to Billy, the transition of glitter dropping from the ceiling. Yeah. But then the glitter didn't relate to the next scene. So, So they had this transition of like glitter dropping from... I don't know. I think it was the first time she sang yeah. and like was happy. And he's like, I'm going to yeah. take you far, kid. Like and she's sparks. walking away with the hat, that yeah. iconic yeah. scene with the pigtail plaits. And then it's like, oh, the world's going to change. Everybody's going to know your name, Billy. Glitter transition. But it was clearly like sparks from an angle grinder. That was the image that they were using to get the glitter. And I was like, oh, the next scene is going to have that on the floor. Like it's a transition. 
And then it wasn't. We went into New York, shots of New York in the morning, like the next day. I was like, yeah. oh. I feel like a lot of those transitions, a lot of the effects that we use in the movie, especially where they'd have slow motion effects and that kind of thing happening, I don't really feel like that's aged very well. Even like scenes where they'd have these cut effects where it would just keep cutting. Yes. I just, watching it now is, is just, it really didn't age very well. No. They did have a lot of bangers. The music of the time that was being used was yeah. good music, but it wasn't of that era. They had in one scene in the nightclub, what was the song that was playing Blondie? Heart of Glass. Heart of Glass, yeah. which came out in the late 70s. So then I was like, oh, okay. So you're going for, I didn't know if they were trying to, is it 70s, is it 80s? Like if they were trying to hide when it felt, but then it also felt very 90s in the fashion. So I was just like, where is this movie set? Because in these nightclub scenes, you're giving me 70s nightclubs and then 80s, like it didn't feel inherently 80s to me. The clothing they wore didn't feel 80s. It felt 70s slash 90s, which was very, very odd. When it came out, I remember Mariah saying that it was like 82 meets 2002. So it was oh, not I a defined year, but I think a kind of a 80s time period they were going for. And then the other gripe <laughs> with the music is yeah. um, the message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Love them. Love the song. It played three times. It is just too much of a recognisable song to play the same sample at three different scenes with three different emotions. Yeah. It was just, I was like, oh, so either you've paid for the rights and you're going to use it as much as possible. Yeah. Or they were trying to dictate a feeling that comes from New York in the 80s when the hip hop scene was popping off. I think it probably was that they've paid for this sample. We're going to get our money's worth. (laughs) Oh, 100%. I feel like that's what that was. And then I guess the other thing is, which we kind of previously touched on, is it felt to me like this, one studio had put their money on J-Lo and one studio had put their money on Mariah. Yeah. And J-Lo was the one to get the hits and to get the movies. So she did Made in Manhattan that year. Yeah. And it was so successful. Well, funny story for this album, for Glitter, Virgin Records had signed Mariah Carey and after everything that happened or didn't happen, I should say, they ended up dropping her and at the time, at least it was the biggest payout. Like we know Mariah Carey likes to break records Mm -hmm. and so this was no different. So they paid her $28 million and said, okay, bye. They just gave her some change. Yeah, just a little (laughs) bit of change. Here's some spending money. Buy yourself something nice. Sorry, sorry, sorry. They paid her $28 million to leave the record company. Yes. Did you say that was Virgin? Yes. Is J-Lo or was J-Lo a part of Virgin? No, J-Lo was a part of Sony, okay. who Mariah Carey's ex-husband, Tommy Mottola, was head of. El Scandalous. Yes, so the plot thickens. Mariah's first single from that album, Loverboy, sampled Firecracker. So she'd gotten the rights and used it throughout the song. And that was kind of the basis of the song. And if you listen to the remix version of Loverboy, you can hear the rappers singing and rapping that melody, that Firecracker melody, which was taken out of the song. So apparently Mariah had locked down this sample. And then you've got J-Lo at Sony, who has now gotten the rights to that same sample for her single, I'm Real. Yeah, so that came out and people suspect that Tommy Mottola had something to do with this, trying well, to sabotage Mariah well, Carey. Well, now it sounds like, yeah, Mariah Carey, yeah. they did the dodgy on Mariah. Yeah. I feel like they were banking money that she was going to be that, she was going to be that first singer to break the blockbuster movie franchise. Yeah. Because look at what happened to 
J-Lo. And in 2001, I think J-Lo had about four hits. She had I'm Real, um, Love Don't Cost a Thing, Play. Like that music was everywhere 2001. That yeah, female 2001, R&B. Regardless of Mariah Carey not knowing her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. J-Lo really put her stamp on 2001. And I definitely feel like I, I would be curious to know when they actually started working on Glitter as opposed to when it came out. Because if this was in development for five years, yeah. she would have been the first one to do it. Well, I don't know exactly how long it took to start even making it looks the movie. Like, it looks like the movie that we saw, it was yeah. all done and dusted in a month. Well, funny you say that because Mariah actually filmed two movies back to back, one of them being Glitter and the second one being Wise Girls with Melora Walters and Mara Savino. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she knows what break means and she ended up having her now famous breakdown, exhaustion, oh. all of that. Yeah. When did she and Tommy like break up? I don't know what year it was exactly, but basically her butterfly album came mm-hmm. out she was not with him anymore mm-hmm. so well now we're just, we're just fangirling over Mariah Carey really I mean you want to call that fangirling <laughs> um. she really is in this movie though so beautiful she I feel find her very endearing her acting I know she can act because I've seen her in Precious yeah and I thought she was fantastic for Mariah <laughs> for Mariah, well, <laughs> for Mariah. Look, I will say I don't think she's the most amazing actor but she definitely isn't the worst. Oh, definitely. She's definitely no Madonna. Yes. Unequivocally, yes. She's not, she's not, she looks so bewildered and I don't think that's her fault. I think the direction, there was no direction. They just said, okay, you're just going to go in here and you're going to say hello to people. And that's it. Like that was, yeah. that was what they were told. And no actor knows what the tone of the scene is ever. Like when they have like a romantic scene, there's no chemistry because one is coming at it hot and heavy and the other is coming at it like soft and romantic. So there's no gel. There's no chemistry amongst any of the actors. The only person who gives a really good performance is Terrence, yeah. but he is such a well-trained actor. He would be able to just probably do it, phone it in. As you've said, so Mariah has kind of started to reclaim glitter in recent years and more so the music I think but I'd be curious to know what she thinks and how she feels about that movie she probably looks back at it and thinks oh yeah I don't Cringe. know how I feel about it. yeah mm. I would expect that I would understand that if mm-hmm. she did but I don't know if she's I happy with it I would be curious it. to know what her thoughts were before filming like what were you feeling going into that movie yeah what was the feeling getting the script being going into that because I feel like you would be so excited as a singer to be the star of a movie and then it turned out like that. It's sad. But, like, she makes so much money, so I'm not that sad for her. <laughs> sure. <laughs> ice cold. Speaking of ice cold. <laughs> no, but um, is there any other points that you wanted to make about Glitter? Do you want to make a case for people to watch Glitter? I definitely think it's something you should at least watch once. I don't think it's a movie that people are going to keep watching, but I definitely think that they should be listening to the soundtrack. Oh, so would you recommend if someone was on the fence, just go listen to the soundtrack? Just listen to the soundtrack. Just cut straight to the good bit. Because mm, the soundtrack is definitely, I don't think it ties into the film necessarily. They, yeah. I feel like, because didn't you say they had the album before the movie? I think the album was released prior to the movie coming out. Um, So it currently holds a 6% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Do you think that's fair? I want to say yes, but at the same time, I think it deserves a little bit more percentage. Just mm-hmm. a little bit. Just a touch. What would you give it? Just a bit of glitter on top. <laughs> would you want it to be would you want to see it sitting at like 11? 12, 13, somewhere around there. Okay, would be nice. so in yeah. the teens. 
that's yeah. where that's somewhere you think it is fair. Yeah, it's still in its teens. It hasn't fully developed yet. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be fair. Has this film gotten a cult following? Maybe from Mariah Carey fans. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's considered as a cult yep. favourite movie. Like, say, for example, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, it's definitely yeah. not oh, no, Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's definitely not that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I enjoyed watching it, but I really enjoyed picking it apart. I can tell. Can I tell you like some of my favorite scenes? Do it. Okay. So the scene that I take away from this, oh my goodness, there were so many. One, the sex scene. They go, there's one sex scene in the surprise, movie. Surprise, surprise, Kate. <laughs> there's one sex scene in the movie. They kiss once and then they go behind like a frost. Yeah. Like a frosted wall. So you can see their outline. And what I took away from this is that she was wearing a full white brief. You could see that, like, through the frost. And I was like, that was an interesting underwear choice. I was like, hmm, the dress that she was wearing wouldn't really have accommodated that type of underwear. Um, That was, I loved, oh, Leopard Night. I Leopard Night. I loved Leopard Night at the club. They're they're all wearing leopards. They were dancing to the 80s music. Um, He's a terrible DJ. He, like, when you see him as a DJ... You never actually see him DJ. Like he's walking around letting other people do things. Yeah. And he, you're just told that he's a great DJ. Fun fact, the guy who plays Dice, mm-hmm. Max Beasley, once dated Mel B of the Spice Girls. Oh, that is a fun fact. Well, he's a terrible DJ. I don't <laughs> believe him as a DJ. And then the only other thing that I made a note of that I really wanted to talk about was there is a scene in this movie where it's like, I want to say it's a minute and 30 seconds and it is a pan across. This is when we're first kind of introduced to Dice as the DJ and he gets the silk CD. There is a pan. You mean cassette. I mean cassette. Yes, because it's 1983. The, The camera pans over a nightclub and the sound mixing is terrible so you can hear like the noise of like glasses tinging and people talking and this distant dance beat but it doesn't sound like a packed club and it is heaven you you loved every second of it i loved every i lived for every second because i was just like what is going on i love those moments and that's why I can justify the 6% rating because oh, I think yeah. the, the lack of direction really let this down. And then my final takeaway is that the three best singles, personally for me, yeah. Loverboy, Reflections, Never Too Far Away. At the time, she released Never Too Far slash Hero. So she did a version what? that goes what? into Hero. No. Yeah, you need to listen to that. I will, but no. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, that's, a, I don't think that's a good idea because people enough. will just fast forward to Hero. <laughs> Yeah, some of the highlights from the soundtrack for me, I love Twister. I don't remember that song. It reminds me a lot of her song, Petals from the Rainbow Album. Okay. Never too far because of the ending of the movie and how that Mm. goes. And The message is the other... The message of the movie? No, the message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. That was the song that you take away from this movie. You're very forceful. So was Grandmaster Flash. (laughs) I don't know. I just enjoy the whole soundtrack. But speaking of soundtracks, let's talk about your movie. (gasps) It is a musical. It is? It is. Um, So my... A movie of choice, which I'm not ashamed of and I'm not embarrassed about whatsoever, is Grease 2. Not to be confused with Grease, the first one. Yes. Yeah. I have seen this movie oh, at least 200 times. I thought you can say two times. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I saw it recently. No. So I discovered this movie when I was at the same time. It was unanimous with Grease. I didn't yeah. realise... 
So I'd obviously always seen Greece. And then when we were going to the video store, what? There's this second Greece film that no one talks about. No one has told me. Yeah. And so I would just watch them in unison because some of the same actors were in the second one. And I was like, oh, of course. And I always walked away feeling better after having watched the second one. We can get into why later, but basically it's the same premise of the story. Um, Fish out of water comes to a new school, finds someone that they really like, and they are willing to make changes for that person, which I think in Greece 1 is far more problematic. But basically Michael is a new student. He is Sandy Olsen's cousin. He comes to Rydell High from England, not Australia, and he bumps into Frenchie, who is now redoing her final year because she dropped out. I love, by the way, that she references that she turned her head. Yeah, she like there's those little nods that um all the teaching staff is the same as the first one. Yeah. So Michael comes to the school, and who does he meet? But Michelle Pfeiffer as Stephanie Zanoni. She is the coolest bitch in the world watching that i was in awe of how cool this character was when she comes on um, every time she comes onto screen at the start she comes in the first number and she pops that collar she's got her glasses on and the pink ladies code in this film they do one thing to look cool to act cool and to be cool and she is the essence of cool she's the epitome of cool yes and obviously he sees her and it's like oh gooey he loves it And he's like, how do I attract Stephanie Zanoni? And so it is this difference of how a man goes after a woman. He does ask her out and she says, no, I'm not interested. And I feel like one good thing about him is that he doesn't pursue her. He's not like, please go out with me, please, please, please. Like, look at all the things that I'm trying to do. He listened to what she wanted and he kind of made these changes to himself. And whilst Sandy changed herself, I feel like in a very negative way after she had been repeatedly treated very badly, It was one interaction where she said, I really like a guy who rides a motorbike. That's what does it for me. So, and Specifically a cool rider. Oh, the coolest of cool riders. Also a banger of a hit. She sings that to him. Well, there are plenty of big cheesy numbers in the movie and then cool rider comes on. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. Just like Stephanie's character. Yeah. It was really fitting. And being a kid, seeing her sing this song about what she wanted, I was like, what? That is epic. Yeah. So then I'm going to spoil the film. He does change for her. He starts writing because he's the smart guy. He writes people's essays and they pay him. He goes to a junkyard. He learns how to put together a motorbike. He learns how to ride a motorbike. And he impresses everybody as an anonymous man. Who's that guy? Who is that? Who's that? I don't know her. (laughs) She doesn't go here. Um, And he impresses everybody anonymously. So he's just the motorbike guy. And Stephanie loses it. She is dripping for him, loves him, jumps on his bike, never sees his face. But as the movie goes on, she's kind of like, oh, I'm torn because now she's starting to find herself become attracted to Michael, the nerdy guy. But there's this other guy who's still kind of pulling at her heartstrings. And at the end of the movie, when she finds out Michael is the cool rider, oh my goodness, she's like, oh, I'm so glad it's you. I wanted it to be you. I get what you're saying, but Mm -hmm. it still didn't sit well with me that I felt like to get her attention, he had to become that cool writer that she wanted. Why could she not have just noticed or fallen for just him? But I think she did start to fall for him because the thing about Stephanie, she is a bit embarrassed that she works at a petrol station. She 
she's not smart. She's doing really badly in school. And he's like, I'll be your tutor. And when they have that kind of conversation and they're at the diner, she starts really warming up to him. She's like, oh, you're really smart. You get this. And she's like, you probably think I'm such a dummy. And I kind of started to feel like she's seeing Michael, who whilst over the course of this movie, like, so the first time you see him, he's tight laced, wearing a suit, having a little briefcase. Like he's that guy. Very English. Exactly. And over the course of the movie, his confidence starts to build while he's learning how to ride the motorbike, while he's interacting with the T-Birds who are seen as these badass guys, but are very scared of any interaction and confrontation. And I think that you do start to see her really warming up to Michael from school. And then she's torn because now she's like, oh, well, I like him, but I also like, I've got a preconceived, like I've got something going with this other guy, which is also him. Fair and enough. he's torn because he feels bad that he wants to tell her that it's him. But, oh. but the T-Birds in this movie, I felt like, who are these children? Yes. They're supposed to be also cool and really bad, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like they're not. I think the pink ladies are way cooler than the T-Birds. The T-Birds at this school of Rydell are definitely immature. They're just kind of like the funny guys. Even their bullying doesn't seem as aggressive as the other T-Birds from the first film. I'm looking at this film with rose-coloured glasses and I'm like, no, it's perfection. Everything you say, no, it's wonderful. But yeah, like there is scenes that aren't going to hold up and they're probably not fully fleshed out, but I still like them as characters more because having now watched the juxtaposition, because I watched Grease 2, then I went back to Grease 1 and watching Grease 1, it was like every scene with the T-Birds was either they were singing about sexually assaulting a woman, they were talking about sexually assaulting a woman, or in Danny's case, you were singing him sexually assault Sandy. Like he did it at the start of the film the first opening frame is him forcing himself on her and she says no Danny please don't ruin it and then in the middle of the film after he's already embarrassed and degraded her in front of his friends dumped her at the dance to dance with Cha-Cha Di Gregorio from St. Bernadette's with the worst reputation yeah um the next day they're at the drive-in and he aggressively sexually assaults her. He pins her down in the car and she's screaming no and kicking. And yet she still goes back to him. So I guess in Greece too, yeah, they talk about wanting to be with someone. There's more to life than making out. Yeah. But every single couple, they still seem like they're in a bit more of a respectful couple. And those are some of the reasons why I love Grease 2. Just some. <laughs> but the other thing is that the director of Grease 2 was the choreographer from Grease 1. And I believe the intention was once Grease wrapped up, the entire cast wanted to go in and do a sequel. But the studio heads were like, nah, we're going to wait and see how this goes because they thought it was going to be a flop. And basically it was a huge hit. And by the time they were ready to do a sequel, all the actors had moved on and up to better things and they weren't going to come back and do it. But Patricia Birch was really adamant that she wanted to do it. And that's why when I saw Grease 2, they had these huge productions, which I guess I can see how that has dated because it's the entire ensemble singing. It's a bit corny. It's very camp. It's very high school musical. It is. And it's clearly adults as high school, similar to Grease One. Yeah. But I love it's like a big Broadway number in Greece. And I think what is it? Back to school, score tonight, and reproduction. And what's the other one? The girl for all seasons. Those songs will have lasted with me forever. Well, watching the movie at the very start, there is that big group cheesy dance performance. Because Greece didn't have it. They had the song Greece from Fanky Valley, but that was the cartoon yeah. that they introduced all the characters through that cartoon. Yeah, but it made me think, oh, this is quite cringy, and it really set the tone from the start. But having said that, as you 
you mentioned the song reproduction earlier, while that song was still on, I found myself already singing along to it. It was that catchy. Oh, it, it is one of the strangest songs that you will ever hear as well, because it is a song that literally breaks down the reproduction system of plants. Yeah. But it is this annoyingly catchy song. And the guy singing is so strange. And it just, it makes me laugh and it makes me smile every time I hear it. At the same time. Always. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. That's all the reasons that I love it. Mm. And I think I do walk away from that feeling. Stephanie Zanoni is an icon. And I she's even. She's so cool. She is, she's the coolest. She's cooler than the cool writer that she wishes she could have. She is the cool writer. Yes. She doesn't need a man. <laughs> she could just get the motorbike and go off her own. Yeah, and she works at the gas station so yes. she can get her petrol for free. Oh, my free. goodness. When someone goes up and they're like, oh, I want like a full tank of petrol, how much does that cost? And she's like, 20 cents. I'm like, oh, 1971 or 1960-something. <laughs> this might be mm-hmm. hard for you, but what don't you like about the movie or what do you think are the reasons why it didn't do so well? Um, I think it would it would never have done well because Greece is synonymous with Danny Zuko being John Travolta and Sandy Olivia Newton John. Yeah. The first movie is them and then everybody else is secondary. I don't think there was a strong enough cast. I recognize that Maxwell Crawford, who plays Michael, isn't a strong lead. He's not a good singer. The second half of the movie is definitely it's a bit of a punish. Okay. His song Charades, he sings so badly that they bring up all the music so you can barely hear him singing yeah um and then that love will turn back the hands of time where she thinks he's dead and they go into that memory song and then she went like you know the there's a talent show yeah and she ruins her number so yes, yes. and but then there's the king and queen of the talent show which makes no sense i know i thought this isn't like a, a prom or something i know so it's just like yeah you really like there are definitely big plot points that mean nothing that it just just facilitate the rock Hula Luau. So there's definitely things about this film that don't make sense and that are questionable choices, which I can be like, oh yeah, there was no lull in Greece. And you're always going to compare it to Greece because it's Rydell High, Rydell High. You have something which is interwoven into the fabric of people's nostalgia. I mean, it's never going to do as well as Greece. Exactly. Regardless. Um, So the fact that it even has to be in that light. It will never hold up. I think it has started to get a bit of a cult following. I've seen a lot of articles on blogs like Bustle, Hello Giggles, like those type of websites where comedians write in. A lot of people have started to kind of have this thing to say Grease 2 is better than Grease. There has been this movement. (laughs) There's been a movement. There's been a movement. There's been a bit of a movement. A cultural shift where people are just loving Grease 2. Yeah. I don't see it as a parallel, but you know those movies of the 80s or late 70s, Revenge of the Nerds type films that a handful of people love them you mentioned how the other actors didn't sign on to it because at the time they had already been tied up in other projects mm-hmm. watching the movie i just assumed that the original cast or the main characters didn't want to come back so i was looking at it going oh so they just didn't want anything to do with this but in fact they may have had something to do with it if it had been made sooner well if the original cast were going to go into a sequel i don't think this was the movie that they were going to do because okay. they all a lot of them would have left high school because they would they graduated at the end of the first grease <laughs> that was they, all, they all had to repeat there was talks that High School Musical was supposed to be set at Rydell High. I do remember actually in the early 2000s that there were talks of Kylie Minogue playing Sandy and Danny's daughter in Grease 3. Oh, that would make sense. And it would yeah. have been iconic. It could have been terrible as well. But I think they wanted to remove themselves from the notion that there was a Grease 2. 
Oh, because right. I don't think the franchise of Greece like acknowledging Greece 2 that exists. I reckon if they could, they would change the name. One thing about Greece 2, it holds a 37% Rotten Tomatoes score. Do you think that is fair? I would have expected it to be higher. I agree. Because it's not going to be based mm. on how it did at the time. It's mm-hmm. going to be based on what people think about it now, right? Yes. I don't think it should be above 50. No. But I think it should be sitting around like 42, which is only a few points higher. But I definitely yeah. think it's higher than 37. I would think so. I know you have a history with glitter. Did you enjoy watching Grease 2? I definitely would watch it again. I think, I mean, not anytime soon because I've just watched it for the first time, but I definitely think it's something that I would watch again in future. Were you a fan of Grease? I've seen it at least once or twice in full, but I've seen so many parts of the movie so many times. It didn't really make an impact on my life. Yeah. I remember one time as a kid, Grease was on TV and I'd missed the start. So then the next day I went to the video shop to rent it on VHS. This is such an old sentence. It is. And all the copies of Greece had been rented out. They said, we have Greece too. So I took Greece too and I went home. I never actually ended up watching it. Oh. So this could have been a whole different story. If you are interested in watching Greece and Greece too, I hope I pleaded a case to go watch it. It's a fun movie. How about have a double feature night and watch Glitter and Greece too? Yes. With popcorn. Yes. Do it. When I go to the movies, I go to the movie for the popcorn. I'll tell you what I have done. I mixed peanut butter M&Ms in popcorn and it was delicious. Sure. So we're going to play Whip Crack with Kate in a second. But before we do, here's a word from our sponsor. Are you hungry but also care for the environment? Leave it to us. Introducing Meatbox. We are tackling food waste head-on with our conveniently packed and delivered meal subscription service using only the finest meat offcuts. Fatty tissue? Mmm. Bones? Yum. You can customise your meal plan to please even the fussiest of eaters. Vegan option also available. If you like eating cardboard, that is. Hurry and satisfy your hunger. Meatbox. Find us in the yellow pages under chemical suppliers. Not intended for human consumption, mainly to death. So, Kate, are you ready for whip crack? <gasps> yes. Here we go. How do you feel? Today? Just generally, I feel good. What is a movie that you love? Oh, Grace too. What is a movie that you hate? A movie that I hate? Ooh, um, 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 I can't think of one. I-, I love all cinema. Complete the sentence. If my attitude was a flavor, it would be? Salty. How many times a day do you touch monkeys? Never. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers... Is it true your bangs enter a room before you do? <laughs> it's 100% true. And I love it. What colour is 11? Uh, mauve. Time's up. That was whip crack. How did I do? What's my prize? I'm going to get you some peanut butter M&Ms and popcorn. Yes. Excellent. Love it. I'm not actually going to do that. Yeah. I figured. Thank you for joining me today, Kate. Well, thank you so much. I've had had such a fun time. Thank you for having me. I love how much joy that you get, not only from Grease 2, but also from picking apart glitter. (gasps) I do love to do that, as you can tell. No doubt. Well, no, that's Gwen Stefani. That is Gwen Stefani. We're not talking about Gwen Stefani. We're not talking about (laughs) Gwen Stefani. Not today, anyway. And the moral of the story here is love movies that you want to love. Love, love. No shame. Live, love, love. (laughs) You're such a Karen. So what we're saying is, go watch Glitter, go watch Grease 2, listen to the soundtracks, live your best life. So this has been Good Chat. Good Chat. <laughs>